0: Episode number 247, Transforming Your Church's Online Presence with Zach Snyder and Caleb Weidman. Let's do
1: it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Making Sunday Happen, the definitive podcast for those who plan, create, and execute worship experiences all around the world. If you have a hand in putting together your large group gathering, uh, either in person or online, this is the place to be. Uh, we welcome you here and we are working hard to bring you guests and information uh, that will help you enhance and transform your large group gatherings to set the stage. For people to come to know Jesus as their Savior and take their next step with Him. So, welcome. Uh, we have had an influx of new listeners and viewers to the podcast over the last couple of months. So, if you are new, welcome to the family. Uh, my name's Carl, and I lead a team uh, at 1230 Media. We help churches and ministries with media content and training for your worship experience. That's our bullseye. We are laser focused on your worship experience, both the in-person gathering and the online uh, worship experience. Uh, We are laser focused on helping you do that through media and through training. And uh, this podcast is one of the channels that we have to talk directly to you and help you and help and help serve you uh, we are not uh, here saying that we have all the answers or anything like that uh, we are serving alongside you trying to figure out answers gathering and curating information from uh, from other places or or bringing up ideas or helping you uh, you know discover that thing or answer that thing so we are here to help you with your worship experience so you can email me. Carl, C-A-R-L, at 1230.media. That's all spelled out. The word 12, the word 30, dot media. Carl at 1230.media. Feel free to drop me a line or a question. I would love to hear from you. Well, this week, I'm talking with Zack Snyder and Caleb Weidman. Uh, these are two of the founders of Black Bar, which is a YouTube channel and a Discord for church media folks, and uh, they have released some great videos helping churches navigate live streaming, communications, and more. So you'll hear from Zach and Caleb, uh, both right after this video from our friends at Secure Give. Check this out. June the sixth, two thousand four. It was five forty-five in the morning when the Lord woke me up, and the Lord prompted me and said, "Walk through the doors." that I will open. Since the first century church, God has been equipping His people for the gospel to be advanced so that people of every nation would be drawn to Him. Methods have evolved through the centuries, but the power of the message is unchanged. In the 21st century, we have been at the forefront of church innovation leading a giving revival. I believe that we're living in the greatest days of church history, and you and I have an opportunity to be a part of something that's going to impact the generations to come. From our first church over a decade ago to the thousands that we serve today, we believe every donor should be equipped with the resources to give in the moment. People want to give to your church. It's our job to remove the barriers. Hey guys, today I welcome Zach Snyder and Caleb Weidman. Zach is the video director at Lifehouse Church and also the host and co-leader of Black Bar, a ministry to inspire and encourage church creatives. Also on the call is Caleb. Uh, he is a uh, multimedia and marketing guru, I think is the uh, official name, <laughs> uh, at Grand Rapids. Uh, first in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, uh, Caleb, I interviewed at a church in Novi, Michigan. Is that? Uh, oh wow! Anywhere near you?
2: It's it's not near me now, but I actually grew up and I lived on the east side of the state, and it was close to me on that side. I'm on the west side of the state now.
0: So <laughs> I, I, I'll give you a story here. So. Uh, my wife and I are from the from the South, or my wife's from Tennessee. I'm from North and South Carolina, and uh, so sweet tea is like you know gold around. Oh, for sure, city. yeah. So we're 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 going up to interview at the church in Michigan. And about halfway there, it's like a 20 hour drive or something. Halfway there, she turns to me in the car, "Hey, you know they don't have a sweet tea in Michigan." like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> we might as well just turn around right now.
2: Right. I'm sure there's some sweet tea around here, but it, it's, it'll be nothing like what you have in the South, I'm sure.
0: Yes, Michiganders yes. only have pop there.
3: Yes, yes we yes, do yes. have
2: pop. Yes. We have plenty of pop. Not soda.
0: So, needless to say, I did not take the job.
2: At that yeah, <laughs> it's understandable. I get it. It's all about the tea. Don't
0: worry about the ministry. It's all about the <laughs> tea. Right, for healthy. sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, guys. Thanks for hanging out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy to be here.
0: So uh, Zach, kick us off. Tell me about your role at LifeHouse and uh, some of what you get to do there. Well,
3: I'm in ministry, so basically that means I do everything. Uh, But my official job title is video director. So uh, most of my work during the week is video production, bumpers, advertisements, promotional content, that kind of stuff. And then on the weekends, Saturday and Sundays, uh, on our pre-COVID normal, uh, I would be leading uh, volunteers, directing, live production, that kind of stuff. Um, so really lots of, lots of video production type of things, um, kind of had, had a background in that since college and basically got the chance to work at a, uh, church plant that my parents started about 16 years ago. So pretty much, uh, celebrated my five year, two days ago.
0: So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Caleb, what about you, man? What's your role at the church?
2: Yeah. I'm the media marketing director there. So I lead a team, including me, there's five of us now and we handle, all manner of marketing and content creation, whether that be graphic design, it'd be video production, web, social media, um, all that kind of thing. We're not actually involved with the the live production production aspect. That's actually the tech department. That's kind of where we separate the two. But uh, yeah, it is my job to oversee that. Uh, I take a more direct role in graphic design quite often. But for the most part, I'm kind of giving art direction, strategy, all that kind of thing for the department. So how
0: did you guys meet, and what is Black Bar? Give me a genesis of the ministry.
2: Uh, we we met back in college, actually. Uh, we both went to the University of Valley Forge. Uh, we were roommates for, I think, three out of the four years that we were in college together. Um, and Black Bar has always been kind of a twinkle in our eye. You know, We, we were at the school. It was a Christian school, and we were at digital media majors. And, um, uh at the time actually it's kind of the funny story that kind of kicked it off we were involved in a, a ministry uh, that was kind of it was an arts ministry there was a lot of people that did music and, and visual art and dancing and all that kind of stuff all in different aspects of ministry and we were involved in one way or another and eventually we asked if we could incorporate some of the digital you know the digital abilities that we have whether it be photography or graphic design or video and everything and we, we were given the answer at the time uh, that those those skills and those gifts are for advertising ministry. They're not for the ministry itself. And you know, even young at the time, we knew that's that's not the right answer. That wasn't the correct. So it, you know, it's it set us off on what is an almost a decade decade-long search for like, okay, what what is media, what is a media ministry look like with not just media as the the package, media as the coding, but from the foundation all the way up, it is built around these tools that we have to minister to people. And I think Black Bar kind of eventually came of that, of many long nights in conversation and dreaming. And really, we realized at some point that a media ministry is a ministry for church media people, if we can help educate and inspire people to be able to create more impactful media, to be able to share the gospel in new ways, and more exciting ways to more specific targets, you know, and not only just show them how to do that, but inspire them to do that. That's that's a media ministry. And that's kind of the basis of what Black Bar is supposed to be.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's mainly, Zach, speak to this, it's mainly a, a Discord uh, and YouTube and just other resources, right? Tell me about it.
3: Yeah. I mean, so we, we started out and we, we don't really ever do anything halfway. So we decided, you know, what's what's something that we can do that'll put a lot of work on our plate every week? And we were like, let's do a YouTube video and let's do a, a podcast every week. And we didn't really, really want to uh, start a Facebook group because you know, Facebook has its own kind of kind of a weird uh foray of things. So we decided to start a Discord. And, you know, we had, I don't know, probably 15, 20 some people. We started Black Bar back in January 2020. And it just so happened that whenever kind of COVID hit, we were able to put out one or two or three videos that really just were perfectly timed. And in, in, in the same regard, our Discord started blowing up. We had, we had a combination of people that were brand new to the ministry, people that were media folks that were just looking for some kind of help. And then we also had media folk which, who are experienced in the field and wanted to come in come in and help others. So pretty much right out the get-go, we were able to bring in volunteers that wanted to help us really survive the season. I don't think we could have done it without our certified pros. Like a lot of people um, were just experienced in the live stream field and the technical field. And while Caleb and Nick are making videos, while Caleb, Nick and I are making the podcast, while we're doing the best that we can to keep up with social and even survive in our vocational ministry, we also had this side on the discord that is literally the tangible uh, effect of helping people in the church, and then now we've just recently hit over about a thousand members, of people that are still regularly asking questions. And you know, you have your normal group of people that come and go, but we still have seen just, I don't know, really been kind of a humbling way to see that we're able to curate the conversation that's bringing people together. And I think in that way, that's kind of the heart of Discord. Really, I mean, we're inspiring, encouraging, uh, and I just totally blanked on the third one. That's how good we're doing. <laughs> we're inspiring. We're encouraging. And Caleb, help me out with the last one. I think
2: We're engaging. and We're engaging. Yeah. And, yeah.
3: Engaging. Yeah, and mm-hmm. those three things um, from the content that we're creating is doing those things, but then also the Discord is doing that. So kind of everything is coming together in that we've started to get into uh, kind of this normal where we're able to uh, bring our knowledge and our experience in a humble way, saying, of course, we don't know it all but we also get to ask these challenging questions in a way that's engaging to the community.
0: So tell me some of the uh, conversation that's happened in the discord. What are people asking about? What are people curious of, especially in the the age of COVID?
1: Yeah.
2: The, 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 the majority of questions at least at first were very technical questions. The people that we were that we were getting at first when especially when COVID went up, you know, the the big conversation was and still is church livestream. Because I mean really when you get down to it being relatively blunt, if you do not have church services, people don't tithe. People don't tithe churches get in a big spot of trouble pretty quickly, right? Uh, so there was a lot of churches that were avoiding live stream for one reason or another, and some of those are valid, and I'd say some of them are less so. Um, uh, but really, it got to the point of where churches were forced to, kicking and screaming, some of them, come into the the live stream world and really understand how that worked and, and start using that medium. So we were able to get people started up who had zero experience in that world. Uh, So while a lot of these bigger Facebook groups and these large communities online have plenty of people of varying level of experience, we were finding people who had never heard of any of this stuff, never heard of any of these resources. These are people who are, are media-starved, in a way, and, and they're tr- just realizing that they, these tools are available, which I think is an exciting niche that we've kind of uh, picked for ourselves. So a lot of it first started very technical. It was very... It almost became like a tech support forum for a while, But and, and for, for a lot of people, that's what it, what it was, and they came in, they asked their questions, and they left. But we, we have found, you know, although the minority are really powerful I'd say core group of people some that are really experienced some that are still not very experienced and just constantly growing together not just in the live stream now we have conversations about graphic design and photography and video production and lighting and audio and web design and how to run social media and w- really we're trying to cover every corner of, of you know digital ministry uh, f- from in every medium that's out there because I think all of them is really powerful tools for spreading the gospel. So it has been a really cool community to watch grow, very like-minded and and very cross-denominational, which is not often something you see.
3: Yeah, and something I think that we've experienced, the three of us specifically in our own way, we've just experienced and seen that the church creatives are such a heavily disenfranchised group of people because they're so deeply involved in one of the the phrases that uh, Caleb's coined is manufacturing the mountaintop. They are literally crafting and curating the experiences that people fall on the weekend. And because they're so heavily involved weekend essential, they're doing hours. Your vocational job is colliding with your source of spiritual resources, essentially. And it's so easy for, for a disconnect to happen between pastors and creatives. And I think we've seen in a funny way that a lot of people don't really like to talk about their emotions when it comes to the creative field. But we're, you know, the things that we're trying to push people toward is an openness and a willingness to accept and understand that. So it's it's just been an interesting collision of all our experiences and then bringing this cross-cultural connection and into play.
0: Well, you guys definitely had one particular video that really hit uh, uh, extremely well. Yeah. Um, and it talked about, you know, a live stream uh, guide, a live stream setup. Um, how did that come about and how did it take off and, and how have you gotten to help people through that video?
2: So that that video was a result of us, uh, actually, me and Nick at our church in Grand Rapids. Nick is the third part of Black Bar. Uh, we had a a day of the week where our governor had started coming out saying, okay, things were going to start to get locked down. And I, I and Nick were on this small team of people that were in the church at the time that were kind of just frantically trying to figure out, okay, what is this going to look like for the next couple of weeks? How are we going to pull off the Sunday live stream? Uh, how, what is our communication going to look like and all that kind of thing? And all the thing, the only thing that kept coming to my mind over and over and over again at Grand Rapids First being a relatively large, relatively equipped church to be able to handle something like this, is the thousands and thousands of churches who are so unprepared for this and are about to go dark and with with little resources available and I turned to Nick after the end of what was you know a 12-hour work day and I was like dude we got to record today like there's there there is going to be a need right now Michigan was a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to the the, the shutting down of everything but we knew it was going to the whole the whole country was going to do it and we recorded that day And we edited all night and the video came out the next day and we we blasted on every Facebook group, every shared it as 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 often as fast as we could and it, it did it did take off. It found an audience and people were appreciated. And and I think the thing that we focused on the most most was a lot of the the specific tools that we were recommending were either out of stock at that time as a lot of people were preparing audio interfaces video interfaces that were gone so what we tried to talk about is like okay what do you have you know you might not be able to buy an auto audio interface right now but if you have musicians at your church they might have you know something like that already you might not have a video interface on, at your church but you know if someone at your church may be really big into video games they might have an Elgato cam link sitting around, right? It's a relatively common piece of technology. So, um, you know, that's what we focused on. And I think that was really helpful for a lot of people who had zero experience on the side thing.
0: Yeah. Well, with that video and others, I'm going to kind of, uh, hit you guys randomly. So some of, some of it's going to be kind of in the moment, uh, live stream and COVID related, and some Mm -hmm. of it is not. And I just want to get your opinion on it. Okay. So, um, all right. So topic number one is kind of rapid fire game. All right, here we go. Okay. All right. Topic number one, church video announcements. Are they dead? Still do them. Give me your thoughts on video announcements.
2: I could probably go an hour, but I won't. Uh, I think, I think with, with this one and with a lot of questions, it always is a, it depends. There's no, there's no one answer that's going to write for all, be right for all churches. However, with video announcements specifically, I think in the majority of cases, it's not worth to pay someone to do in five hours what a pastor could do in two minutes, right? There are other more effective places to put those resources, those media hours on social media or in a different part of the service that's that's not going to be replacing a method of communication that's already been working.
3: Yeah. yeah, the funny thing is is that we've shifted we've we've cut down announcements so we can condense our services for online experience because of the season we've essentially moved our announcement block to the five minutes pre-service. And now that's essentially becoming uh, announcement videos. <laughs> there <So> you go. <laughs> we were so, like, against it. But especially in this season, we've, I mean, what Caleb said, sometimes it's case by case. And for us, right. <laughs> the case is that we are having to reintroduce announcement videos even though we killed them. So... Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. So I have a love-hate relationship with uh, with announcement videos. We we create them for churches at our mm-hmm. ministry. Right. Um, but sometimes, it, it, you know, in discussions with churches, it's like, okay, what's the best fit for your culture? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, one, you might not need. Like I was at a, at a church, and and I had a, a media guy that was under me that we he was do the one doing the uh, church announcements, and he was spending. And I I know this firsthand. You know, it, it can be a two or a three day yep. job oh, yeah. at some point yeah. over because you're shoot, you're scripting, you're shooting, yep. you're editing, you're, uh, you know, hearing a million things from a million different ministries. <laughs> and yep. oh, can we change that? Can we add that? And so it's two. It can be two or three days. So is it worth it for your in-house guy to do it? Is it worth it for you to pay a company like ours to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it worth it? I think that's the major question that I that I keep asking is. Is it worth it for your church, for your culture?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. And and obviously, that is a question that everybody has to ask. I, I know it's, it's something that we used to have video announcements at our church, and, and just looking at the engagement when we had them on, a lot of times, it doesn't matter how fancy we're, we've, we've got a decent-sized church. We had the equipment and the resources to be able to pull them off well, and it still turned into the everybody pull out your phones and scroll through Instagram section of our service, right? So, you know, of course, there's ways to do them well, and there are Absolutely, cases where they are—I wouldn't say just recommended, but necessary. Uh, especially if you've got multi multiple campuses, if you got a schedule you're running to that's very specific. But in most churches, if you can get away without them, I, I think there's more effective ways of communicating.
0: Yep. Okay. Topic number two: uh, photographing your church service. So, how do you do this without the uh, photographer on stage or? uh you know in a weird spot or you're up against somebody worshiping and trying to capture that moment how mm-hmm. do you uh photograph your service without looking like a jerk
3: make sure you wear black <laughs> <laughs> don't wear yeah, neon
2: honestly you know yeah for sure being being as uh discreet as you can i, th- I think if you're if you've been at any experience in photography that certainly It's second nature, I think. Uh, I think the two most important things that uh, we talked about in the video and it's been helpful for me is that the service or the moment that you're capturing always is a higher priority than the picture of the service or the moment, right? If anything you are doing could distract or detract from what the life change is occurring, you have overstepped your bounds. Um and I, I think it's it, it can especially be difficult when you're in like an altar call sort of scenario or you know, tears are flowing, hands are raised, depending on the denomination, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and hey, can and, I, can and I stop you from accepting Jesus yeah.
0: real quick? I need this
2: photo. <laughs> Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when you when you get in that situation, it's very easy for for people to see you as almost like an invader as this outsider coming in and kind of invading their area. And to me, the most effective by far way of dispelling that is to actually visually and spiritually worship while it is that you're working, right? If you're down at the the, the the altar or during a worship set or whatever, and you are worshiping and singing along as you're shooting, people won't look at you like you're an outsider because you are behaving and you are participating in the same worship the,
0: that they the are. The one-handed...
2: <laughs> right, right. Obviously got to be reasonable, you know, but I think it's yeah. like... Why was
0: that shot blurry? I don't
2: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you got to make sure the shot comes out well, for sure. But I think a little yep. uh, being balanced with it is is important, but it is super valuable to, to making you feel more part of that service. Yeah.
3: And really, these tips also go for videographers as well. Um, we've seen, I mean, we, we talked in that video and in the following podcast about how we've experienced people on stage in the shot, like a videographer, or photographer, literally getting in front of the performer so that they could get the shot. Don't do that, of course. But yeah, there are so many ways that, especially whenever you start to feel like you're a part of that service, that then everyone else can also feel that as well. I'm a big mover when I worship. So uh, oftentimes you'll see me up front jumping around and then I'll sneak in and get a, get a couple shots. And I think, you know, just have fun with it. Like that's, that's what we're doing. We're literally worshiping with our technology. So, why not embrace that?
0: So, when I was working at New Spring Church, we, we did a lot of uh, on stage uh, camera work. We had at mm-hmm. least two uh, stage cameras and uh, at least one uh, tripod camera uh, in the back. And uh, so, we would practice on a Monday nights, we would uh, do a training session. Uh, and have the the band fully there and shoot their rehearsal and shoot their practice and stuff and that was a way that we could practice okay how can I get this shot without getting in front of the performer how can I right. angle my camera so I would yeah I would encourage people to have a practice session or test that out For or sure. look at that before Sunday unless you yeah. want your you know Butt to the audience or something. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Topic number three creative blocks. So, how do we get creativity going? How can I prevent creative
2: blockage? This this is probably my my favorite topic in the whole world, and it, it disappoints me because this is not one of our better or received <laughs> no, videos really not. for whatever yeah. reason. But it it's, it excites me to no end. I, I think uh, to me there there is there is kind of this huge perpetuated lie about what creativity is uh, to begin with, and I think what especially when people who don't regard themselves as creative people or, or a secretly have kind of a self consciousness about their, their ability to be creative is that we look at super creative people. Um, and even when I say super creative, there's probably an image in your head of, of what that person looks like and what they do and, and their hobbies and all that kind of stuff. looks and like Zach. Right. And their ability to kind of, it seems like magically constantly pull these entirely original ideas out of themselves and are just kind of throwing them around and creating this stuff. And, you know, what in reality, that person has absorbed and absorbed and been influenced by a whole heck of a lot of stuff that you just haven't seen yet. And what that person has done has successfully mashed a bunch of ideas together probably a lot of a lot of stuff that you don't know about and presented that new thing as an original idea and in reality there isn't such thing as a purely absolutely original idea like if you're trying to have this creative boost and you shut yourself in a black room and just say i'm not leaving this place until i come up with something brand new you never will because that's not how humans work we, To me, the kind of golden standard for originality is taking one thing and taking another thing that have never been mixed together before and mixing them together for the first time. And I think a lot of creatives have this. I know even for myself for a long time was like, I hope no one finds out that everything <laughs> that I've ever done is actually just taking pieces from here and there and shoving them together. That is all anybody has ever done. And that's okay. And that's the standard to be hitting before. Because if if you're aiming at this higher thing this whole time, you literally are incapable of doing it. God's the only one who could do it from scratch. We can't. We've been building on his creation and the ideas of others since the beginning of time. And I think once you understand that, there's a release of pressure to aim for that. And it allowed, it had allowed me and allowed a lot of people that I've talked to to be a bit more free with the stuff that they create.
3: Yeah. And we've, we've, in the video and the podcast, we prioritize talking about kind of two main influential categories when you're creative. So people look, look around them for inspiration. So people look forward, they try, they see things that are happening around them, they combine them. Those are the forward lookers. We got the backwards lookers and they're the ones that resort to their own like journaling and dialogues and experiences. They, they get away and isolate themselves. So we, you know, there's, there's any kind of range of forward lookers to backward lookers but then one of the most important things i think that kind of brings it all together for those that are creative and in specifically ministry or the or the christian field is that we always have to keep our eyes up you know to god you know we got to make sure that we continue to tap into the source if we have access to the holy spirit which is arguably the most creative source in all of existence mm-hmm. then we need to make sure we keep plugging into that source cuz creative creativity inspiration, it's a limited well. There's only so much we can pull from it. So if we get disconnected from the thing that matters, then even if we make the best thing in the world and the most unique thing in the world and no one knows what the inspiration is that we pulled from, but it doesn't point to Christ and it doesn't glorify God and worship, then how significant of a piece is it really?
0: Yeah. Okay, let's move on to killing the bulletin. So... (laughs) So, how did you were happy how, about that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, was this a popular topic on your uh, on, on your video, or how did how was it received when when you suggested that we need to set fire to the, to the
2: <laughs> this? This, and I, I will say, I will clarify for people who have not seen that video that I'm not suggesting that every church burn their bulletin, yeah. but just many of them. Uh, I think. I, it it was actually relatively well received at that time. It was our most watched video before all the live streams started to hit. Uh, it was it was exciting. I think probably the thumbnail of me holding up a bulletin on fire probably helped out for something like that. But uh, I think I think for us and my church and kind of how we came to the conclusion and the, the story of that was you know, we f- were finding. Probably like a lot of churches, a lot of bulletins lying in the pews after service or in the trash after service, or a lot of them just never picked up. And we were finding even the ones that picked them up, you know, you could watch, you could tell they were picking them up. They would quickly glance over them and then would chuck them to the side. They weren't interested. Right. It It wasn't that the 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 information in there wasn't interesting. That medium had lost something that that is no longer valuable to them. So to us, it was a matter of, okay, well, that's not working and we're putting a, I know like a lot of churches, a ton of time or money or resources into making that happen, Uh, what what would be the alternative? So we went around and we did a big survey of just a blind survey of 75 people, just randomly asked them, you know, what ministries are you involved in? And then what communication methods are most important or relevant or effective to you? And when you, when we cross that data together, we could see, you know, per ministry, which of these communications were the most effective. And what we expected, you know, obviously like our, 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 like maybe our men's ministry would almost certainly communicate differently than our youth ministry and, you know, vice versa. Uh, But what we found was fascinating is that the number one most requested form of communication in every single ministry was push notification or texts. That was the number one across the board, except for our 60 plus they wanted mail. So <laughs> we got to keep doing mail for that group, right? But the people wanted digital communication. That that's I mean, it sounds like the dumbest simplest thing in the world, of course, but you know, for us it was that was a matter of really putting a bunch of energy into our church app. Think a lot of church apps are just worse, harder to use versions of church websites. Uh, and if you if you can't add value or or put something on that app that is interesting or exciting, then people aren't going to do it. Um, targeted push notifications for us to where um, we can send out push notifications to just the men about a men's event and just youth about a youth event. And just a women's about a woman event has been incredibly popular because we can pitch it as listen you know i personally don't have kids i don't need to know what the nursery is doing right and that is basically resulting in a digital bulletin of only the events that are relevant to me and we found you know even for a, a ministry like the men's ministry which typically has a, a bit of an older group i you know i would say i would expect at least more reliant on that print media We killed the bulletin altogether. We got rid of flyers and all that kind of stuff, and we we had a monthly thing or I think bi monthly thing. The men's breakfast, a lot of churches do it, and I was expecting, you know, this is the first one that's entirely digital. We're probably going to see a little bit of a dip, and then eventually get back. And we saw, you know, a twenty to thirty percent increase on the first men's breakfast you know people still they heard about it they found out about it and it could be scary to make that jump to an entirely digital skip space and i know you know not it's not good for every church there are certainly some churches that need that that print media but for us it really worked out so i think to me it's less of a matter of telling every church burn your bulletins and more of like look at the communication methods you're using and if they're not working then find a better way to do it
3: and this doesn't help any other church, but uh, we were reflecting that Grand Rapids made this change just in time because this was a very recent change. Right.
2: Yeah, it was. It yeah. Is, the app has now been incredibly instrumental now that, I mean, bulletins are literally physically impossible during this season. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, yep, yep. And probably for the f- foreseeable future. Yes. I don't see sure. anybody really jumping to pass out, passing out stuff with handprints and no, things, germs, germs all over Okay. Next topic. And this is, this is one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> fonts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, well, okay. So we all like to hate on Papyrus and Comic Sans. So sure. off the gate, they're just, uh, those are obvious. <laughs> right. Uh, even with the ancient VBS, I've heard that argument. Yep. Still, still, yes. still enough. No. Yes. Um, but it's a kids ministry. I don't care. <laughs> um, all right, give me give me the lowdown. Uh, you're 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 taking uh, you're taking aim at Helvetica too, right?
2: I am, and I—I I yeah. it has been pointed out pointed out by yeah. many of the people in the <laughs> comment section that Helvetica is actually the black bar font, uh, <laughs> which you know, I get it, I get it. But I think to me, uh, my background is very much primarily graphic design, so fonts share like a very close part of to my heart next to church marketing and all that. Um, to me. Fonts are the equivalent to like nonverbal communication and design. You know, you can write the same I love you in like a super grunge font and a script font and they mean different things depending on, you know, the shape of the letters, which I think is really cool. And there's some fonts that do some, you know, a script font saying I love you that does that really well over something like. We'll say Helvetica because Helvetica is the example that I that I ran at in the thing. Helvetica is an excellent font. It's probably one of my favorites, but the problem is Helvetica, especially for font snobs, people use it for everything. They'll just douse everything in this huge like paint of just Helvetica because it's the best font. You know, it changed the world of graphic design, and it definitely did. But that doesn't mean that it's the best font for every purpose. It doesn't mean that it, you should be using on it every single thing that you do. And there's other different inflections. There's other different forms of communication that are out there that you're not using because you're stuck in this little box because you want to pick the best font or choose the best font. So I think with everything and a lot of the questions we've been asking, it's about like, what am I trying to communicate? What am I trying to do? Is it working? If not, then maybe we need to think about some of those fundamental tools that we've been using over and over again, and they're not helping us anymore. Yeah. yeah,
3: we actually just had a discussion in the uh, the Discord. We pulled up a bunch of uh, big fashion brands, uh, mm-hmm. and someone had basically put them side to side their their logo over the past couple of years, and they recently rebranded to a sans serif font, and it's literally right. like Saint Laurent and Burberry, and their original fonts looked unique, and it looked like them, and the new fonts are very clean and minimalist, and they're nice, but they literally all look the same you know so there's a caution like I'm I love Gotham and we couldn't afford Gotham at my church so we went with Nexa which is Mm -hmm. the the little cousin Uh, and I love Nexa but Nexa can't go on every single thing it's not gonna fit every single thing and I think that's the biggest thing that when you're talking about fonts other than just rejecting the ones that are terrible like if someone brings Bleeding Cowboy to your desk just push it away but embracing and understanding the, the, the unspoken and subconscious things that the font's saying, it's, I mean, that's just constantly what we see.
2: I think something worth noting, one of the things that w- resulted in a lot of comments on our on our on that video and in a lot of other places is so people would ask, OK, well, then what fonts should I use? Right. Like, OK, so I've burned these ones. What's left? <laughs> OK, hundreds of thousands of them. But the, the, I can't tell you what to use on your bulletin. I don't go to your church. I don't know anything about your church. I, I don't. I, like maybe if I go, something will come to mind. But it's a matter of asking the question of what am I saying and to who am I saying it? And what do I want them to feel, right? And when you get an answer to those questions, now we can start looking at the fonts that are available and picking the best tool for the job.
3: Yeah, and, and a weird thing that I think we've kind of seen is, of course, you have this spectrum of experience and what people that are coming to us and talking to us and watching our content. Um, and I think a difficult thing is some people just don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that's where a lot of those questions came from. Like someone was like, uh, I remember a couple comments were almost like snarky. They were like, well, I can't afford to pay for Gotham. i um, like, fine, but there's other good fonts out there. Right. I think there's just a disconnect that people don't even know where to begin when it comes yeah, to this right. kind of stuff. And uh, even for conversations we've had behind the scenes, we're like, okay, we need to do this video. So we just released one on audio lately and we're like, okay, what kind of like one or three course should we release? And then we're like, you know what? People are asking like 100 course questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you almost have to step back and it's, it's a little bit of a tricky situation whenever in, in the field that we're dealing with because you have the people that are yeah. experienced and they know exactly what Wingdings is uh, and they know not to use it but then you got other people that they're just like what words are you saying like i use times new roman because that's what appears in my google docs yeah. like and so that's kind of an interesting uh tension that you do have to deal with and specifically in this field
0: yeah i wrestle with that all the time because you're almost like run the risk of y- you sounding dumb yeah. uh, you know what i'm saying <laughs> like like okay i need to take this back to elementary level so that i can Grab everybody, and some people right. are going to go, Knew that, Knew that. Right, knew that. right. But yeah. That's mm-hmm. okay because mm-hmm. you're, you're bringing in other people along with you, too. Um, Absolutely. So, I would also, I, I don't know where this kind of falls in this discussion, but I can also tell. Uh, so, we have, uh, as of this recording, we have 15 people on our team. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, video guys and graphic designers. And when I'm hiring a new designer, a new video guy, this is one thing that I look for, because your font choice, I can kind of tell where you are, with mm-hmm. your skill level. Call that good or bad. Call that sure. You know, maybe I'm discriminating, but <laughs> uh, font snob, I'll, I'll own it. But I, right, you know, right. You can kind of tell where people are based on on font choices. Do you guys see that?
2: Uh, absolutely. I, I think to me, it's especially for graphic design I know a lot of video people that are just horrible graphic designers but especially for graphic design and animation anything that requires the use of fonts uh, though to me a, a solid use of fonts is understanding sort of the subtext of graphic design. it's it's understanding what are the subtle ways that I can communicate. Outside of color, outside of composition, outside of the photos that I'm using, fonts are, they are more of a 102 thing. They are more of like a more of advanced thing that you can be used to communicate, but they are still incredibly important. And knowing not just, I know one thing that I look for is not just the font, but um, the, the kerning and the letting, the spacing between the lines, the spacing between the letters, how it's all like uh, you can have an excellent font that is used horribly right <laughs> and just uh, uh, no concept for proper white space and all that kind of stuff so yeah it is absolutely it's a super super important tool and if they they don't have that figured out i've got kind of work i think,
3: think I, I think in a broader sense as well not to move too far away from fonts but i think we've seen kind of this history like we're we're generating new things so quickly as a society like you had a very large gap between like the printing press and the iphone but now we're having like all these like like just the distance between things that are being generated and created are getting smaller and smaller. And I think it's kind of the same way with our field. We used to rely so heavily on specializations. Like I was I was getting in a, a freelance gig a while back where someone's like, can you be the producer for this environment? I already have an editor, but he doesn't do anything but editing. And to my mind, like I hope that we continue to move away from that because my role in the past five years I've had to adopt so many things, graphic right. design, and I've had to learn what fonts are, and I've had to learn uh, video and live production and all these other facets. And I think the, the larger you can kind of expand your knowledge and have a greater grasp of these things is going to be more helpful as we grow and move forward. There's nothing wrong with specializations and being like a master of a trade. Um, but I also don't think there's a bad thing about being a jack of many trades either. I think yeah. there's, there's advantages, advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, so I think when it comes to specifically like fonts and design, I think it's just probably a good thing to start if you're trying to get into this field to get a little bit of knowledge in both. If you're a communications guy, learn some design. If you're a video guy, make sure you know how to run audio, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: I think uh, the downside of that is once you kind of get to this level, it it can ruin you. I mean, you can't, you won't be able to watch a TV show or anything besides, you know, be watching a sports game and seeing a lower third and be like, ah, Kerning right. between that A and the T. Come on it's now.
2: as soon as as soon it's as you over. go look up what kerning is, your life is over. It's, it's over, just that it will over, all man. be you see for the rest of the so time. I yeah. know, yeah.
0: I know, man. All right, we're, we'll move on swiftly. All right, let's kind yep. of hit two topics in one. Let's talk live streaming. So obviously this is yeah. yeah. kind of the the biggie that that uh, that took off for you guys. So tell me some not only some fast and cheap ways to up my live stream. Um, but also maybe how to improve my live stream for free.
2: Right. For sure. I think, you know, the, the video that we produced was very much for absolute beginners that were just trying to figure out how to live stream for the first time. And the thing I said in the video and thing I still hold true today is the most important thing is that the gospel is preached. You know, it, God is not blessing, you know, the, 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 uh, the gates of heaven are not opening only for those with high production value, right? (laughs) Like if all you have is a phone, then preach to the phone in your living room, right? Um, And that was one thing we talked about. I think uh, when you want to get into getting a little bit more advanced, doing lower thirds, doing um, uh, graphics on screen, playing videos, all that kind of stuff. Honestly, my one biggest tip is if you haven't heard of OBS yet, you need to jump on that train. OBS is a uh, open broadcaster software I think is what it stands for but is an entirely free software that is built from the ground up. It's open source. Um, to do 99% of what any church live stream needs to be. You can run graphics with it. You can run lower thirds. You can switch between as many camera angles as you want. Uh, you can run your audio through it. Uh, you can even record with it at the same time as you're streaming. It is it is what we've recommended to nearly every church. And some of them, are they have different directions. And there are other options that are like uh, Wirecasts that are paid that have a couple more features. But if you're just getting into this for the first time and you're trying to figure out what you're doing. OBS is a magical unicorn that you need to just jump on and, and explore some rainbows. It is, it is amazing.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the most important things that we've again, we've seen this. It's really easy to try and start a live stream and then look at what Life Church is doing and what look at what Elevation Church is doing and to just get totally discouraged and squash because you're like, what I'm doing doesn't look like this. What I'm doing doesn't sound like this. Uh, I think the phrase is comparison is the thief of joy, right? And going into this, especially just trying to get the objective of preaching the gospel, maybe you didn't have a live stream before this season, maybe you just started one, and you've had a lot of issues. But I think don't compare and do the best that you can with what you have. Don't try to get too fancy with it. I was on a conversation with some, uh, some guys from Life Church a while back, and they said, when the simple becomes fancy, fancy becomes broken. So don't overcomplicate things. Just take what you can, make the best of it, and then improve incrementally along the way. Just because you don't have 16 camera angles doesn't mean what you're doing isn't valuable for your community especially. You know, there's probably plenty of instances, especially because we deal with a lot of small churches, where if someone saw an elevation-type performance at their church, they might get distracted or they might get frustrated with the lights or maybe they get frustrated with the fog or how something is turning out. Like, just because elevation is doing it doesn't mean that that's what's right for you. And I think that's just such an important kind of hurdle to get over. Like, we've all been there. We're all, like, constantly comparing ourselves with other things around us. I think in creatives, we have a deep sense of um, just (laughs) discomfort with our own abilities and skills. So there's a natural getting through that. And there's going to be a natural comparison that happens in your life, but you can't let that define or stop your ministry. So, I think that's alongside the technical, also be very, uh, very intellectual and, and forward thinking about it so that you can identify when those things are
0: happening in the season you're in. It's a very, very good point. Very, very mm-hmm. good point. And go to, so I've been encouraging churches to, yes, start with what you have. Version one is better, better than version none. Then, when you yeah. can get to 2.0, move to 2.0. Then, yeah. when you can get to 3.0, move to 3.0. Like, it's incremental. Right. Uh, right. You know, when you can take that te- step, take, take the step uh you know mm-hmm. but but uh but yeah don't get too ahead of yourself so uh good all right uh let's talk audio versus video and the importance of audio um uh, over video so uh, kind of how i've phrased this with uh different resource videos and stuff that we've done is uh people can stand a
2: good audio bad video video right but right. not vice versa yeah uh, absolutely but, would you agree you want to talk T- absolutely, and I, I I made that exact comparison in in, in the video of, of showing you know a really garbage video on my iPhone with all the lights off in my room, but using a, this mic, and using a nice camera, but then recording with my iPhone and shoving it behind my computer fans, <laughs> well you know it's just horrible sounding stuff, and it it is absolutely night and day. I I would say you know people say you know a video is fifty percent audio and fifty percent visual. I'd say it's about seventy. Audio, and it's about thirty percent visual in the end. Right? Um, I think it's incredibly important, and unfortunately, it's very, very overlooked. I know if if you compare the questions in our Discord, if just even asking which camera should I buy versus which mic should I buy, it's it's not it's ten to one, right? Because people are very concerned over the visual aspect, we are visual creatures at the end of the day, right? But um, that audio thing, I, I'd be before I upgrade from my phone to a camera, I would be upgrading to a proper microphone to to run the whole thing. That would be my first step if I was doing it from scratch once again. It is incredibly incredibly important, and I think even even if you don't have the budget to purchase a new mic right out the gate uh, one of the easiest and cheapest things that you can think about is just preparing the room that you're in I know uh, the, even if it doesn't sound like a big deal the little things like air conditioning and a fridge running in the background or a computer with the fan spinning because you're recording onto it that, that makes it, makes a huge deal to the quality of your sound as well as having big flat, hard walls around that with not a lot of stuff on it that's going to cause a lot of reverberations putting up some pillows or some blankets i i we've gone so far as there was a podcast recorded a little while ago and our guest at the time recorded inside his closet at home just to be surrounded by all the clothes in there because we he knew it would produce the best sound out of what he has so i mean that's what matters in the end the product that you're getting yeah. Now the point.
3: perfectionist uh, the perfectionist content creator in me would be remiss if I didn't say it's it's best to have both if you can. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Especially <Yeah. laughs> when you step into the narrative field and the bumper field or if you have a video that's uh uh non, uh it's complete visual storytelling, make sure you are intentional about the tracks that you pick and that kind of stuff. So be remiss to go without saying that, but yes. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Good. Okay. As we wrap today, one, one last topic for you. So the last few videos that you guys have put out are, all have to do with uh, social media uh, and things mm-hmm. like that. So give me some, some uh, tips and tricks on how to up my social media game.
2: Yeah, I think so. The, my first tip would be to go buy a book by Phil Bodel called Rethink Communications for, for churches. It blew my mind and Every church should buy it. Most of the time, I don't recommend something for every church. Every church should buy that one. Uh, But outside of that, I think um, most churches treat their social media sites, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, as advertisements for their ministry. uh, Where uh, our services, our ministry happens on Sunday mornings, and it happens on Wednesday nights, and occasionally throughout the week. And we are going to tell you about the when the ministry is happening. And uh, that is a very old school way of using social media. I mean, to be frank, I think instead getting into the mindset of instead of using social media as an advertisement for our ministry, using it as an extension of our ministry. Uh, There are a lot of people, both saved and unsaved on social media, probably a lot more than you could ever reach walking into your building. And that is a incredibly, a massive opportunity to be able to reaching people and you're, you know, you're probably not going. To hit them with a full hour sermon and get them to click on it. You know you're probably not going to be able to get them to sign up for small groups right out the gate. But giving them little snippets, little itty bitty micro content throughout the week, just constantly, is going to keep that in their minds. Going to keep that that frame of reference going. Uh, as as Phil says, it's about engaging people. It's about uh, 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 encouraging people. No, I'm just going to get that wrong. Now I'm mixing it up with our, our stuff. Yeah, informing people, um, engaging people, and inspiring people is is his thing. Those are the three forms of content that he's creating at all times. And the informing people, which is the advertising stuff of, you know, we've got a a Sunday coming up or an event coming up, that's only 10% at most. Of of the content that that he would recommend posting and I would tend to agree if if as the way that I think of it as is if if there was a TV station, and every Sunday morning at nine o'clock, it played the most killer TV channel around or killer tv show around and that's what everybody was watching everybody was talking about and then all throughout the rest of the week it played ads for that one show that they have on sunday morning the only time you would tune into that station is once a week on sunday mornings and you would not go back the rest of the time so use that as as a platform for ministry not an advertisement for ministry
3: yeah and i think the important thing about being online and a lot of churches are learning this like if you're not online then people don't Really know anything about you? Your online presence is the front door. It's the biggest front door you're ever going to get, and it could be a huge advantage if you embrace it. But if you ignore it, if you make your front door look gross, or if you you just put tack a bunch of ads on the front, people aren't going to want to come in. You know, so so you got to look at it like that. And Mm -hmm. if you don't mind me uh, caveating a bit, kind of combining with the live stream thing that we were talking about, um, one of the big things that has been on our hearts and minds is now we are transitioning to this online space. We see the need for live stream. We see the need for being online. We see the need for understanding and engaging with social media, understanding and learning what analytics mean online. Now, I think the next kind of uh, tangible question or line of questioning comes with what does online church look like? Because I don't think we're ever going to I don't think we should ever step backwards. I don't think all churches have to be online all the time, but I think there has to be a vision and a strategy that each church is developing for their presence online. And the kicker is that there's no how to do an online church for dummies yet. Like, we just aren't there. And I think that's okay. And it's also scary. And it's also exciting. I know it excites us because we keep asking the question, what does online church look like? And we don't really have... An amazing, tangible answer, but also I don't think that's what you have to aim for. I think at least if you're asking the question, "What does my online audience need the most? What are they missing? How can we connect them to the life-giving hope that we so desperately feel like every single person needs?" Um, I think online is just one of the the biggest, most tangible tools that we can use and embrace. It's just a matter you got to start asking those questions. You got to go out of your way to learn it and. For a lot of people, it's it's hard to understand, you know, being online and social media and content. There's a lot of age differences that people talk about, but even there's just a learning gap sometimes. Even people our age, like I haven't hopped on, um, I haven't hopped on TikTok yet. I don't think I'm planning to, but I understand its value. I understand its target market. I understand the content that needs to go on there. And if I put a, a 30 minute sermon on TikTok, I'm going to get eaten alive. So mm-hmm. I think it's just. It's such a valuable time and a good opportunity to start asking these questions. What does my church look like online and what could it become if we continue to make online a priority for our church?
0: Mm-hmm. Good points. I, I think that uh, as we close today, I just want to ask Caleb, um, your MySpace page, uh, why, is it still, <laughs> why is it still up? You know, it's actually I, only on I, Faith Freaks actually. I
2: never had a MySpace. I had a Faith <laughs> Freaks. Wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't allowed, allowed to be on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> right. You yeah. weren't allowed to be? I wasn't. I wasn't. Wow. I was pretty young for that. No, I did have a Faith Freaks. So I was the Christian.
3: Faith Freaks and GodTube. That was his two most visited uh, sites. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome.
0: Well, guys, thanks so much for your time. Uh, best of success sure. with Black Bar. And uh, man, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, God's given you guys a platform to, to, to help people, you know, there can't be enough of us out there trying to help navigate the space. And what I try to tell people is, uh, I'm not an expert. I mean, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out, out together. Mm-hmm. We might've bumped into to some things along the way that, that works, uh, that we just want to share. Um, but so I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to have met you guys and thanks for what you're doing. Really appreciate your time today.
2: Yes, thank you for having us on. My fellow church media friends, thank you for what you do. You did it. You made it through Easter. So that means right
0: about now, all of my church creatives um, are exhausted. I know
3: that things are hard right now, but God's got you where you are for a specific reason. If nobody's told you yet,
2: you are absolutely brilliant. Whatever you are doing is your alabaster jar. It is your oil that you are pouring on Jesus' feet, and it is beautiful.
0: Your boss or your pastor may never understand what it takes to do your job or get it done. That's why you're in that position and not them. But just know that, man, your your creativity is the very image of God placed in your life. The way you critique, the way you
2: pay attention to details, you do things with your heart and with your soul. Remember that God designed you, along with everybody else, with a unique, purpose in mind, and he built you with the ability to serve your church in this season.
3: You have overcome the most incredible obstacle that the modern day church has seen, and you did it over Easter weekend. It's a way
0: to fulfill your calling and exercise the gifts that God's given you. This season is going to bring
3: great things. Just keep holding on there and make sure you keep focusing on God.
0: You know, everything that you've done this week and this weekend is all for the gospel. The work you do does make a difference and the kingdom of God is bigger and there are hundreds thousands tens of thousands of people who have heard the message of hope from Jesus because of what you've done
2: the things that you create and maintain aren't just live streams and videos and graphics and social media posts. They are pure and literal vehicles of the power of the gospel. And just know that you work for the greatest story
1: ever told.
3: Because that story can't be told without the storytellers.
1: So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: We now have the opportunity to begin working on those things that have been on our important but not urgent
1: to-do list. Enjoy the fact that you create and let God do what he does with it. Start strengthening what it is that you're already good at so that you can come out of this
3: better than ever.
0: Thank you for being a creative. Thank you for being uh, an innovator. And don't forget the work you do, you do unto the Lord. He sees you, he's proud of you, and he loves you. Keep it going. Stay strong
2: and take a little rest this week. I pray that you have the wisdom to know what to do, the strength to be able to do it, and that all things that God's will will be done.
1: God bless. The show notes for this episode are available now at MakingSundayHappen.com.
0: That was a video that the guys at Black Bar produced to say thank you to you for all your hard work over the last few months. You've really done a fantastic job Uh, through emails and social media uh, and talking with you through the million Zoom calls that we've all been on over the last uh, few months. uh, I've heard firsthand from you guys how hard you're working and how much sacrifice you're making uh, for your church. You're not uh, gloating at all. It's not a brag uh, thing. It's just something that I've, I've seen and noticed. If you're in communications, if you're in church media, especially uh, your media department um, in your church or your communications team, uh, you guys are really unsung heroes during this time. Uh, You should be, be very proud of the work that you're putting out and how you've helped your church. Uh, through this time. I know your pastor and your senior leadership has leaned on you. Uh, we've we've done our roundtables every Monday where pastors are in uh, those roundtables, and I, I get calls from pastors and things like that. Um, and you guys are really unsung heroes, communications folks, church media folks. You've done a fantastic job over the last few months figuring out live stream, enhancing your, your online worship experience, uh, communicating with your church, all that. So, Uh, Way to go. Good job. Great work. All right. Before I leave you today, I want you to check out our Church Online Tips web series. Uh, It's on our website. We've been releasing new videos nearly every day to give you short tips and tricks on how to enhance your online worship experience. Lots of great content for you to check out. Just go to 1230.media forward slash church online. You can watch the whole series there for free. 1230.media forward slash church online. Well, we love you guys. We are here for you. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week.
1: Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.